0: This is what we have to do every time. Even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into the program. It's a Friday, final day of the week. Hey, man, pat yourself on the back. You made it through another week of shenanigans and malarkey. And We are ready to celebrate another weekend, at least hopefully. If you have to work this weekend, then I'm right there with you. But it's okay. At least it's the sentiment of the thing, right? (laughs) So welcome into it. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. There's a lot to talk about. What a massive week that happened, obviously. We had investigations in Washington, D.C. on the Biden family with the IRS whistleblowers. We had a cancel culture committee or a censorship culture that was censored by because they didn't like what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. had to say at the hearings, which I found quite fascinating. There's a lot of that. We have policy issues, we have statewide issues. What a mess. But it's a Friday, so we need to keep it somewhat lighthearted. I am ex—I I can't say I'm excited. There is a particular individual that is excited about Movie Weekend. And with the ongoing walkouts and protests from the Actors Guild, the writers' strike that's all going on in Hollywood right now, there is concern, and according to some, that this could be the end of Hollywood as we know it. No. I've told you before that I think that's a good thing. Maybe we need the reset button. And you have been making a major impact on the industry right now, not just in movies, but in all the industries altogether, because you, with what you're doing with your hard earned money and with your paycheck and what you're investing in, what you're buying, the products that you're purchasing right now, you're having an impact on the direction businesses are going to go. Now they're fighting it tooth and nail, but they're they're going to have to get on board one way or the other. Prime example, Bud Light, when they've had to close down two of their distribution facilities making products for Bud Light, and then Anheuser-Busch is like, nah, it's really not that bad. Well, it kind of is, at least for that one. Now, obviously, Anheuser-Busch as a company overall, going to be just fine, because they have so many other beers that people continue to buy, but we did make a statement with Bud Light. Now it's almost taboo to walk around with a Bud Light around your friends without them making fun of you in some way, shape or form. Uh, We also have a big anti ESG movement going on at the statewide levels, which is amazing to watch. We've talked about that many times before as well. We see Coles taking a hit. We see target taking a hit. We see uh, even Hollywood beginning to take a hit where Disney starting to feel the brunt of it the last couple of movies that they've released have not been the biggest ones that they've hoped for or wanted with more uh quote-unquote wokeness coming out of Hollywood right now we really we're seeing it at the box office now we read the box office numbers uh, a couple of days ago on the overall of what we're seeing in box office numbers year over year and it's quite it's down quite dramatically but uh are we going to see that climb up a little bit especially with some of the releases that we're seeing this weekend now as i mentioned There is a little voice of reason that is extremely excited about a certain movie that was released today, last night, today, whenever it was. And uh, she is giddy beyond belief about being able to watch this movie with Barbie this weekend. (laughs) I am trying to get excited because it's obviously going to be for her, but we'll see how that one goes. Nonetheless, there is another movie that we've talked about a bit on the show that is still making ground. And let me get the latest numbers here. Let me find, hold on, let me go back to boxofficemojo.com. That really shows some of the box office numbers right now. We're still just in the last day. Sound of Freedom has hit $4.7 million in the box office. The latest week, it's still at number two behind Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part One at $27.3 million, officially topping $100 million total in the box office. That's coming from a movie that had a budget of $8 million. And that's where we start the program today. What's trending today? As I'm super excited to have on the program, she's one of our favorite guests on this show. As we like to have her as much as we possibly can, she's a writer, contributor, journalist for the New American, thenewamerican.com. dot com. Excited to have back on here, Annalisa Peschik. Annalisa, how are you today?
1: I'm well, Andy. Nice to be with you again. Yeah,
0: it's so good to talk now, with you.
1: I'm, you know, math is not my my strongest skill set, but I just listened to your numbers for the sound of freedom. And I see a bit of a discrepancy from what I've seen. Oh. And maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm seeing it capping close to a hundred million in its third week.
0: A hundred million is third week. Now this yes, in three weeks total I've heard as well that it's capped at 100 million or it's broken 100 million. The last week alone between July, or I'm sorry, the last weekend between July 14th through the 16th, according to the box office mojo, it hit $27.3 million that weekend alone. So that weekend alone. Okay. That weekend alone. So just yesterday, according to the 19th on this one, in one single day it hit $4.7 million at the box office. So this thing continues to climb, and that's with all the negative publicity. That's with really zero promotion of the movie before the release of it, and this thing's just blown up all over the place.
1: Yeah, it's soaring, and I bet those executives over at Disney and Fox are just hanging their heads and licking their wounds because, you know, they owned the rights to this film well before Angel Studios came on the scene, well before they ever thought about Acquiring the rights, and it it went through um, a lot of litigation. Once the um, the right, once Disney decided not to distribute it, so originally it was with Fox. Then it went to Disney. Disney decided not to distribute it, and then there was this long litigation between Disney and uh, I think a, several other big box studios and Angel Studios, not specifically about Sound of Freedom, but about another product that Angel was was advancing that was not helping Disney sales, but, you know, I bet, I bet now they're just thinking we did something wrong, but then, you know, out there in in the media, they're, you know, covering up with, Oh, this is all propaganda and QAnon conspiracy when I don't know where QAnon even was five or six years ago when this movie was, was underway. But the, uh, the backstory to the movie is almost as compelling as the movie itself and, I've had, some, I've had fun researching
0: that part of it. I can only imagine. There's a lot to unpack here, Atlas. So let's start at the beginning. I I don't like to usually jump right to the conspiracy theory side of things, although they're quite <laughs> fascinating to me. But uh, let's talk about why Fox, why Disney didn't choose to release this movie. Now, for the preface here, and the reason I say I don't like to automatically jump down the road to conspiracy, is that there are a lot of times, and, and it's almost a norm in Hollywood, where a film is made, and then the production company, the over, overseeing company, tables it because they don't think it's a good time to release it. They ended up not liking the product at the end of the day. And they, there's a lot of movies that don't get released at the end of the day. So by that itself, we can say, all right, you know what, sometimes they don't get released. This might have just been one of them. Um, but do you think there was something else here or something a little bit deeper on why they chose not to release this movie?
1: Well, you know the old joke about what, what is the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth? <laughs> it's like six weeks, six mm, months, pick <laughs> a yeah. number. Um, what is it? That's the question everyone's asking, including Tim Ballard, who, for your listeners, if you don't know who Tim Ballard is, his life story is the basis for this film. And if you haven't seen it, get to the theater Buy a ticket and find out what this is about because you know he, uh, as a former U.S. Um, and government operator who worked for DSH, the Department of uh, Excuse me DHS Department of Homeland Security for almost twelve years, um, he went his own way after the department declined to fund his idea of these child rescues. Now he was catching pedophiles for years and putting them behind bars, but the children were somewhat secondary, and he's made them a priority, and that is what this film is about. And he's always asking this question, why is the left condemning it? Why are these big studios not wanting to expose it? What is, what is it that they don't want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought an interesting point he made recently was that the rescue that the, that is illustrated in the film was reported by all of the major outlets, you know, the Guardian, the New York Times. At the time, it it, it took place in Colombia, and it was touted as this wonderful thing that we're going to put a stop to, we're going to put an end to child the child sex trade by you know rescuing these children and making sure this stuff is stopped. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, fast forward that was 2017. So fast forward five years, six years, they're putting, you know, they're, they're silencing it and calling it a conspiracy. So that is the question. Why? I don't have the answer. I think that these are sick people. Um, I mean, maybe it's just comes down to pure evil, that they, they want to cover this up and make it sound like it's not, as much of a problem as it is and pedophilias have every right to uh, pedophiles have every right to be, um, you know, to, to exercise their desires as as the rest of us. I'm not sure. I, what are your
0: thoughts? Uh, Yeah, it, it brings up a good point. What's weird to me and what I guess adds on to maybe that concern or that quote unquote conspiracy theory is the fact that when they deny this stuff, they're blatantly denying it, saying that it's not a major issue at all. Now, they're even going against their own government's data, the World Health Organization's data, showing that there's between one to two million children in slavery that includes the sex trade as well across the entire globe. And they're, that's the same numbers that they quote in the movie and the little messages they have after the movie. But yet the liberal pundits in the media are saying that's not true. Like you said, it's all based on conspiracy QAnon stuff and that there's actually not a major problem here. Don't pay attention to it. Don't look at it because it's all a bunch of rhetoric. You would think even if you don't like the quote unquote conspiracy theories or QAnon or whatever they want to say, that be like, you know what? Yeah, this has a great message. We need to address this. We just don't want the conspiracies to take a hold of the issue. That would be a message. This is just, hey, don't pay attention to it because it's not really happening. That's weird to me
1: it's weird and it's not political. This is not a political issue. The movie is not political. It does not focus on sending a message about a certain politician or a certain way to vote. This basically exposes low, even low level operators. We're not talking about the Jeffrey Epstein's of the world who are, you know, catering to the rich and powerful. These people, and there are millions of them are swaying, are kidnapping children. They're raping children. I mean, it's gritty. It's it's hard to confront when you think about a child being raped 15 to 20 times a day. Mm. And you can turn over a child so many more times than you can turn over, say, a bag of cocaine, right? This is one of the messages in the film is that the child sex trade is going to surpass the drug trade. It's already surpassed the illegal arms trade. It's 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 booming. And where is it booming the most? it's doing the most here in America. Yeah. And that is something that I thought about a lot when I was watching the film because at first you feel this distance from it because it takes place in Central America and the rescue takes place there and these children are trafficked across the U.S. border at various points, but most of it takes place elsewhere. And But the reality is it's happening here more than it's happening anywhere in the world. Yeah. And so you have to ask, like, how What do our lawmakers know that they're not acting on? who or who are the ones who are the heroes who are speaking out and they're being silenced? i I have so many questions for the director and uh, Tim Ballard himself to to ask, you know, what kind of investigations did he launch within? The, the DHS yeah. to try to get to the bottom of this, right? And, Those are things we just don't
0: know yet. Well, and you're right. We just don't know yet. It, it does. It brings up more questions and answers as we continue down this road. We're talking with Annalisa Peshek. we got a lot more to get to. Got to take a break here for a Friday on The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. Lots it, more to get to.
2: It's The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes,
0: indeed it is. Welcome into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. We always love you to death here. So I was looking throughout the break, I was looking at the box office numbers specifically for Sound of Freedom. And yeah, it broke as of the 19th, officially broke the $100 million market, $100 million, $900,000. The biggest days obviously was the opening day, July 4th, Independence Day at 14.2 million. July 15th, it was at 10 million, 9 million for the 16th. As of the 19th, it was sitting about four and five million dollars over the last few days. So still growing, still doing well. Highly encourage individuals, if you have not watched the movie yet, to go and watch it. Don't listen to the mainstream media with their li- just blatant lies. Blatant lies. I've never seen anybody lie so much about a particular thing. Of, it's not really happening, it's all just fake. Uh, they try to say, well, just because it's just based on a true story doesn't mean it's actually true when and Elisa, I mean, you saw it. they literally have the clips of the real operation at the end of the movie that showed exactly what happened based on a guy that actually went through it and testified about it before Congress and like you said had news reports running about it nonstop. How can they literally say this is a lie? It blows my mind. It is mind blowing and it's
1: it's it's difficult to wrap your head around it because if it was any if it was anything else what is the most vulnerable person on the planet is a child right what do parents and family do for a child they will lay down their life for their child they will give their lives for their children yeah. these are, are we are we thinking that just because um, I, I don't, under, I don't know what do these people not have a pulse? Maybe they're not real people. <laughs> people will say, "Oh, she's a, she's all about conspiracy." Um, no, I I don't understand it, and I think we just have to move. We have to keep moving past it and keep getting people to see it and to keep pushing it in front of people and to force it. You know, to force it down their throats, as Tim Ballard recently said at a conference I was at. You know, we need to force this conversation. We don't need to just. Say we don't need to argue with them. We need to put it in their face and keep, you know, doing more. and And there are more documentaries that are going to be coming out soon um, from Tim Bauer's organization. I don't know about Mel Gibson putting out a documentary. I've heard um, rumors about that, and then I've heard that they were squashed. And so. I can't speak to that, but mm. I think that there um, are going to be a lot more of this kind of material coming out because now it's exposed and it, and it had to be exposed through a small independent studio like Angel to to get it off the ground, which, hey, I, and that's 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 wonderful, right? These people are doing great work. and so we're we're making progress. I, I think this is a step forward.
0: It is a step forward, and I hope, you, like you said, I mean, this is going to be a topical issue, I think, for a lot of people. It's been a lingering one for a while, I think, since the arrest of Jeffrey yeah. Epstein and that whole topic where it really yeah. brought it to light. And uh, this is just another one. And if we do see more documentaries, I've heard as well about the Mel Gibson one. I would love to see that because of how ostracized he's been from Hollywood. It would be amazing to see someone as high profile as him really come out with something like that. I think that would shake things up a little bit as well, uh, where he's wanted to apparently expose a lot of what goes on within Hollywood itself, which would be a really fascinating one, uh, too. Last question for you, and we got just about 30 seconds here, but why do you think your speculation on why you think we see such a hot demand for child trafficking here in the United States? I know it's a big topic in about 30 seconds, but just a little teaser for us.
1: I think it's driven by how removed people are from one another. I think that we're spending a lot more time on our devices, we're spending a lot more time alone, and people are looking not only for ways to turn a profit fast, but to gratify their loneliness that is essential to, you know, our human condition is to be with other people and to be we are social creatures. So I think it's isolation-driven, I think it's um, you know the anonymity of it, right? You can do anything behind the screen. You can be anybody, and that is, you know, people are taking that and using it for evil.
0: That is very true, Annalisa. It's so good to talk to you, my friend. Have a wonderful weekend. Let's get you back on the show again real soon. What do you say?
1: I say yes. Thank you, Andy.
0: Always a pleasure. We appreciate it. Lots more coming up here on the Voice of Reason. The Stay Voice right
2: of here. Reason with Andy Hoosier.
0: reason meets radio this is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier yes indeed it is reason common sense rationale it's what we like to do on this show I know it's a very minority type of thing to uh, (laughs) promote in society today but that's what we're all about welcome into it multiple radio stations all over plus tv and live streaming and podcasting however you watch us check us out every day thank you by the way hat tip your downloads of the podcast are absolutely amazing and awesome thank you so much for that uh since we've started our not only this show that's on multiple radio stations but then our syndicated technically nationally syndicated show on the weekends since we launched that our podcast numbers have just like blown up insanely. So we have more stations coming on. We'll do some announcement with that. Make sure to check out the show this weekend. Really excited so with some of the stuff we are talking about uh, coming up over this weekend's program. The weekend edition of The Voice Reason. But right now, we have a lot more to talk about as we get you set for your very own weekend. Thanks again to Annalisha Peshek coming on the program from the thenewamerican.com uh, as we talk about the sound of freedom and the movie that's still in theaters and uh, might see another big weekend, even with the big, uh, the big hits that are coming up. Again, little voice of reason she saw sound of freedom now she's getting about barbie and uh yeah that'll be a fun one daddy's gonna need a drink baby let's get into what's trending (laughs) what's trending today let's shift gears a little bit as we are getting closer to the end of summertime can you believe it man we are halfway through july almost to the end of july we have school starting in just a month or so for the fall school semester little voice of Reason's going to be in the fourth grade man Uh uh-oh oh no nope nope I don't know if I'm okay with this. She is growing up way too fast. But uh, as we prepare, we're still recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic, educational-wise, meaning we're still way behind trying to get the students caught up to where they need to be at the standard and the level that we're at because we essentially lost an entire year. How do we get that back on track, and what can we do about it? Really happy to have our new guest on the program. She is the former vice president of Leapfrog Enterprises. She is the managing editor at Weekly Reader, And the award-winning author of hundreds of books, literally, which is absolutely amazing, as she's with Lingokids.com. You can check them out online, getting us set for the summertime, the end of summertime, and into the fall school semester. Excited to have on the program Dr. Suzanne Barchers. Suzanne, how are you today?
2: I'm well. Thank you so much for having
0: me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show very much. Do you think that we're almost back to normal? Are our students almost where they need to be? after the COVID pandemic? Because I know that took a, a big hit uh, for really every child across the nation for the, for a couple of years.
2: I think we're making progress, but I think it's going to be a long, slow catch-up. And I think one thing we need to remember about that is that everybody around the world took a hit. So uh, we need to be patient and remember that we did learn some good things about this, and that is that We can be a little bit more flexible in our learning styles and offer kids options for how they can approach the learning in the school setting. Mm,
0: That is very true. Uh, How well do you think uh, successful or unsuccessful it was for, let's say, remote learning for different age groups?
2: Yeah, I think it was tough for a lot of kids. I think being in front of screens for hours a day was really difficult for the younger students. Personally, my grandchildren were very lucky because I went back to my roots of teaching and I took them under my wing for the year, a fifth grader and a kindergartner. And it was a real wake up call for me, too, because, you know, teaching's tough. And for those teachers who were trying to teach remotely and the kids who were trying to adjust, um, it wasn't easy.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine uh, how difficult it was, especially now that we have the summertime. There's been school districts, and I've been open to this idea. I'd love to pick your brain on this, but there's been some schools that have talked about doing a year-round school year instead of having like two months off for the summertime, doing it year-round, but then just extending some of their breaks to like two or three weeks at a time uh, during the holidays to where they still get a break, but you're going all year and you don't lose a lot of the education that you got out of the uh, spring semester with, and then you forget all about it, and then it's tough to get back into the fall semester. Would that be beneficial, do you think, for a lot of students?
2: I think that would be wonderful. When I was raising my children, they did have that kind of a schedule. And we were in the schedule where they were off in October. I'm sorry, it was September, October. And then in the spring, so... We could travel a little bit in the off-season, which was great. They were a little bit more flexible with all of the schedule, and the children throughout the year were staggered with their program. Historically, we didn't do that because we were an agrarian society for many years, so it was a little bit tough to get away from that. Now, I think some of the reasons for doing that are pretty mechanical, but. Schedules can be re-figured out, and um, most schools have air conditioning, or they can get it. The resources are there for that. Uh, It's a tradition that we just need to let go of and think more about getting away from that summer slump that they encounter. Because it's tough to keep academics going during the summer When you just want that break and then you get a little mentally lazy because it goes on for longer than what's really best for the kids.
0: Yeah, that is true. I remember as a kid, I I mean, summertime you did, it was, it took a while. It took the first month or so to get back into the swing of, oh yeah, I remember what we did last spring because it was nothing that I paid attention to during the summertime. I was so focused on sports and the vacation time and just enjoying the outdoors and going around having fun, uh, fun with friends. Uh, on the same front, a lot of rural communities across the nation, and we've had this discussion here in Kansas, where I'm at with our flagship station. A lot of schools are doing this, but a lot of the smaller schools in rural districts that have less kids, maybe some budgetary restraints, they're going to four day school weeks. And uh, uh, what's your is this going to be beneficial to children, or do you think that's going to be cramming too much into longer days and then having another day off where they could forget it all?
2: If it's handled correctly, I think that would work. I can see advantages for it. I can also see disadvantages. One of the advantages is that I think it would be reasonable to not make the day so terribly long, but to give the students some things to do on Friday, perhaps Friday morning, that they could do remotely or do on their own, project-based things, maybe even group things where through Zoom, the students could be talking to each other and doing some activities. The, the key, I think, is the consistency. The main two areas are reading and math, of course, with writing also as important. But if the reading is going on in the home and parents are supporting reading every day and modeling how important reading is, then that's a big leg up. And also in the area of math. If children, and I did this with my children and grandchildren, combine activities such as bouncing on a trampoline, jumping with a rope, um, just jogging in place and practicing their multiplication, addition, subtraction, division facts, Mm -hmm. that makes life so much easier when they're in the classroom. That's what I found to be the biggest gap uh, Mm -hmm. during my teaching days that the kids just weren't quick with the math facts. If we can get past those things and just keep them going in something that's fun and also the movement for those activities will enhance the learning and help cement it in the brain and create new pathways, particularly for kids that they have learning difficulties.
0: Sure. I love that idea. I think we should implement that into the classroom itself as well instead of making them sit at a desk for eight hours a day where uh, they don't get a whole lot of physical activity. I think that's a great idea. We're talking with Dr. Suzanne Barchers. You can find her online at lingokids.com. She's the chairwoman for that organization, has many, many books, also a parenting expert as well. Uh, As we go into this year, I have to ask you about some of the curriculum in schools because it's changed quite dramatically. My daughter's nine. She's about ready to go into the fourth grade. I tried to help her with her math, and I was a math whiz in school myself. They were teaching different techniques in math now. And I had a trouble trying to figure it out because it's so different. Why are we changing math curriculum and going to this common core stuff? Because it's even challenging for me trying to help her out with her homework.
2: Oh, listen, you're 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 preaching to the choir here <laughs> because I had to get on YouTube videos to figure out some things for my fifth grade granddaughter. And this is very typical of education. If something's not working as well as we want it to, the pendulum swings and you just don't want to get by the hit by the pendulum as it swings by again. So I have to tell you that sometimes I just say, all right, let's learn it the way they want it. And again, go to the internet, look up some examples and let me show you another way because as a learner, you need to be flexible. And we all know with learning styles, um, when we get on jobs, when we're working with people, if we can go about tasks with a variety of ways, we're going to be much more successful and happy. So there's there's uh, that angle that I usually took with my my uh, kids and said, okay, let's learn it the book way and then let's learn it the shortcut way that I learned in school. Yes. And uh, I think that gives them a, a leg up on the process.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I did the same thing. I taught her my way. I was like, all right, this is how we did it. This is a very simplified way to do it. And she's like, oh, OK, I got it. And then I'm like, all right now. And then we use that to build it as a basis and a foundation to say, well, OK, this is what they're wanting to see. And this is another way to explain it. But it's kind of the long way around it to try and get to the answer that you're actually looking for. And it's very complicated. Dr. Suzanne, we got to take a hard break. Here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Sure, you bet. Fantastic. I love the conversation. I want to continue on about different tips on how we can kind of get them back into that gear going into another fall school semester. Also, I want to shift gears a little bit being a parenting expert and pick your brain on. uh, There was a TV show that came out just a, a few months ago, maybe a year ago. I think it was called The Parenting Test or The Parent Challenge or whatever it was of different styles of parenting in today's times for some of the younger parents out there. And uh, I want to pick your brain on some of those parenting styles and what's working, what's not working in society, and how that relates to the hands-on with parents at the home when it comes to education as well. So we'll cover all that and more. It's Dr. Suzanne Barchers. You can find her online at lingo lingokids.com. Check out all of her books. She has a lot of them. Obviously knows what we're doing as we get into education and helping raise the youth of America. One more segment right here on a Friday for The Voice Reason Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with
2: Andy Hoosier.
0: (music) Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Golly, it flies right on by so fast. We have so much to talk about and so little time to do it. There's some weird news that we'll get to probably next week or maybe on the syndicated program over the weekend. Can we do that? Can we do weird a weird news of the day? Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that a little bit later. Some updates from the government and their response to UFO data collection. I'm sorry, UAP data collection. <laughs> We'll touch on that a little bit later. we got a few minutes left here, though, with our guest, and I'm loving this conversation. It's Dr. Suzanne Barchers. You can find her online, lingokids.com. You can find her books as uh, she is a specialist with children, also a parenting expert, uh, teacher, so on and so forth. And, Suzanne, I don't know. Did you ever watch that show? I think it was on Hulu called The Parent Test or The Parent Challenge, talking about different styles of parenting. Did you ever see that show?
2: I did not see the show. I don't have Hulu, but I have read about it and done quite a bit of investigation into the different
0: styles. Okay. It was really fascinating because they had uh, 10 or 12 different types of parenting styles from free range to strict parenting to negotiation to old school and traditional to helicopter parenting. And I found it fascinating and I... I completely agreed with some of them and some of them I was shaking my head saying how in the world are you still alive as a parent right now with how crazy they are um, but from your experience with parents today especially for younger parents millennials like myself have you seen certain types or styles of parenting that work well or don't work well because I have to admit helicopter parenting drive me nuts and I would never do that but there's a lot of people that enjoy that well
2: I think that one of the best ways is to think about combining what works best for you and for your kids. And quite frankly, we're going to change our parenting styles as they change. We might be more permissive and free-range, the guide on the side, when our kids are young and if they are uh, comfortable with their environment and you have supportive grandparents to help out with the parenting or other caregivers. Um, that might work very well, but you get that teenager who's really testing the limits. Or the limits. And that's when moving to a more authoritative style where you, you explain the rules, you get the logical consequences, you follow through, you are disciplined, you are not punishment heavy, but you look at the logical responsibilities for making the wrong choices. Yeah. This is the same way we deal with our bosses. When we have jobs, we have different styles of um, management that we have to adjust to. And that can change as we go through our career. And I think it doesn't hurt for the children to adjust to an adaptive style as a parent. And um, I I have to tell you a little side story. I was with my grandkids traveling and they had their mother along And one of the children had a meltdown. She was seven. And we were in London at the time. And I asked her the next morning, I said, when I homeschooled you or when I travel with you alone, I don't get meltdowns from you. What's different? And we're not upset. I'm just curious. And she said, well, with you, it's 95% discipline. And with mom, it's just easy. So she had us pegged. And knew she could manipulate her mom. And so we talked about that. And there are five kids in the family, so mom's pretty stretched. But um, they pick up pretty quickly as to what the style is. And then they work within it because kids are pretty smart.
0: That is true. And they know how to pull those strings. I tell you, I, I that soft spot when little voice of reason, my nine-year-old daughter, sits there and says, Dad, dad, please. And yeah, I, I I Yeah. I I am the hard, tough one until she does that, and then it's very difficult. Uh, last question for you. We got just about 45 seconds left here. But have you seen uh maybe a more hands-off approach with the newer younger generations of parents especially when it comes to education are they more hands-on or like you said are they a little bit softer wanting to be more of the friend and more hands-off?
2: I think there's more of that but I think there's still a mix you see the whole range from the parents who say do it my way or the highway or because I told you and I think now what we're doing is just identifying those styles so being an informed parent And choosing when a different style works best for you and your kids, between the kids, among the kids, and among their years works best.
0: I love it. So much information. I could talk to you about this for hours. I love the conversation. It's Dr. Suzanne Bartridge. Find her online, lingokids.com. Find all the books and find a way to get your kids active again. Start gearing them towards that fall school semester. Suzanne, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. Let's get you back on the show again real soon. Thank you. Hey, appreciate it very much. There it is. Week's already over, man. It's a Friday. Go enjoy. Go go have that adult beverage. As long as it's not a Bud Light. Ha! See what we did there. Back at it again with our syndicated program over the weekend. Check it out again. We'll see you on Monday. Podcast up here in just a little bit. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.